0: 10 a.m. The Superstation. I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News, and great to have you on for the next two hours for the best car radio program in all of Michigan. I've got a great program for you today, lots to get to. As always, you can give us a call here at the Superstation if you want to join the conversation at 313-778-7600. You can also join us on iHeartRadio and, of course, 910 AM's Facebook page uh, live as well. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, this hour with Laura Clouser, the uh, chief of GM Racing. A lot of exciting news coming out of GM uh, on the racing front. Uh, they just finished uh, Le Mans in a strong second-place finish uh, last weekend, and they have big news this week about the Cadillac prototype program. We'll be getting getting to that with her. Ted Ryan of Ford Archives is going to... Uh, walk through a little history of uh, Mustang Mach badges with us uh, from Mach1 to Mach E. some interesting stuff going on over there at the uh, Ford stable and then we'll wind up the hour with Lauren Fix the car, fo- car coach uh, who has lots to talk about uh, in this uh, auto market today which is uh, just flooding us with models. It's a difficult time in the industry given the chip shortage uh, which is leading to car shortages, but also uh, a lot of pent-up demand in the wake of the uh, uh, COVID pandemic and uh, just a slew of new models coming to market. So we'll be uh, jumping into that with Lauren Fix. But let's uh, let's jump off uh, here with Laura Clouser. Laura, great to have you on the program.
1: Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: <laughs> do, do you know what time zone you're in? You've been uh, very busy.
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, I uh, did not set an alarm this morning, and it's the first time since the end of June. And uh, I was very happy to be woken up when my body said it was time and not when something annoyingly beeping told me it was time.
0: <laughs> well, Laura is the um, is the program director for uh, General Motors Racing, uh, which is uh, uh, really exciting these days. Um, uh, a lot, lot going on uh, there. And uh, uh, Laura, let's start with uh, LeMans. Uh, uh, delayed this year, normally in June. Uh, we're just great to have it running this year as the uh, COVID pandemic winds down. Uh, but, but, uh, but the race was in August this year, which kind of threw a monkey wrench into the schedule. Talk about the challenges of that.
1: Yeah. Well, the schedule from last year through this year in general in racing has been a moving target. And I, I really I have so much respect and thankfulness to the team managers that are handling the logistics of getting the team and the cars and, you know, all of the, the traveling road show to where they need to be when. They keep, you know, getting updates regularly to the schedule and how they can plan ahead for things. And Le was definitely a big one. Um, we, And it wasn't just Le Mans. We also participated in uh, other WEC races leading up to Le to help the ACO get a good look at our car and so that they can set the performance appropriately when we show up to the big show. And, uh, gosh, I think the race we were supposed to go to this year changed Three or four times, and eventually we landed at Spa, which was an incredible experience. But I I just, uh, our our team manager over at Pratt Miller, Mark Marini, he was funny. He uh, he said, if I had hair, it would be gone by now because of all the stuff I've been doing. So it's it's been a mess. And then for Lamont itself this year, the team was on the go um, almost. What is it? We had Road America the weekend before we showed up in France. So they basically got back from Wisconsin, turned around, got right on the airplanes and met the cars that were sent over and kind of got up and running. And it was definitely an endurance event on the vehicles, but it was Quite the endurance event on the human bodies that were associated with this, and I think everybody, it were, everyone's taken a couple of days here, and it's so well deserved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, the, uh, yeah, just a crazy whipsaw schedule. I mean, we benefited here in Detroit because we got to see the mid-engine Corvettes here on Belle Isle, which is unusual in June because normally you're spending the month in France uh, for Le Mans. So that was kind of exciting for folks. Uh, here, but um, as you say, you guys on, on the European end uh, really concentrating on the World Endurance Championship got a great race under your belt at, at Spa, extremely challenging track. So going into Le Mans this year uh, with the mid-engine car racing there for the first time, you guys must have must have felt pretty good going in.
1: We, we were uh, uh, cautiously optimistic, and a lot of it was, you know, as we worked through the development of, of the C8 for launch in 2020, uh, we've been able to move a ton of development into the virtual world with simulation and all the tools that we have available there. And we focused on Le Mans as we were building up. We also focused on Daytona and, and the other big racetracks that. Fill our schedule. And uh, the simulation was looking great. And the best thing that happened is when we got to Le Mans finally and got the car on the track for the very first uh, day on the test day on the, was it the 15th, what we saw in the real world was correlating back to what we were seeing in simulation. And we breathed a sigh of relief because it meant that we were definitely headed in the right direction and the car had showed up. We'll say, 80 to 90% there set up for what it was needed based on what we had discovered on the computer. So we're really um, proud of all of the work we did. And then it's just a good testament to the techniques and the tools that we have available to us and will definitely help us moving to the future as we keep this car up and going for races as well as look to, you know, whatever future product may be coming out from the racing perspective.
0: Yeah. I, I've, been, uh, to Lamar. I've been to Le Mans a couple times, but to, to the race once. And it's it's such a magical place. I mean there's so much uh history there. Um I I every time I I I, I walk up to the main Street, I just get goosebumps. Um, I, I don't know how many times you've been there, but uh, give give us a sense of the place, uh, when when you guys go there.
1: Well I had the I was very lucky. I went in twenty eighteen more as um I guess a fan, or, or I call it a fan with benefits, because Chevrolet obviously incorporated myself and my husband into all of their things. We had a place to, to eat and a place to go to the bathroom, which is kind of huge when you're at a race track. <laughs> yeah. so, but the cool thing about going in 18 is we kind of got the lay of the land, but then also we got to experience the race in its true form in the right month with all of the people this year was really special. The opportunity to be there with the team in my role is something that, you know, I, I I'm so excited that I had that chance and, and I'll, I'll remember this race forever, but it was definitely not normal Lama with the number of people restricted and then all the other COVID restrictions and everything we're dealing with. Um, but that aside, when you're there, you just feel, professional, you feel like you'll, you're tackling the world's most challenging endurance race, which it really is from the sports car perspective. And it, it's, it's a massive facility. The track is, you know, one of the biggest tracks that we run on. Uh, so it's, you know, one lap, they take off, and it sits and it's kind of quiet for a while, which is really weird at a racetrack, but it takes them that long to come back around and then, you know, get ready for lap two. So it, it's just the massiveness of it is not lost. And I mean, when they, they were able to bring most of the fans that were there into the area near the start, socially distance, of course, but so we finally got to see the people when it came down to qualifying. And then when we started the race and it, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's incredible. It must be what it feels like to walk out to a totally full football stadium, or, um, you know, sporting event where people are a little bit more condensed in the location because you can hear just the crowd cheering and they're so excited to be there. And it, it just, it's, it's it, like you said, it gives you goosebumps to be there and be a part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really something. It's just such an epic event. Uh, the only thing I've experienced uh, uh, close to it is the Indy 500 that has, uh, you know, the, the, the same sort of majesty. Um, you do all this planning, you go there, it's an enormous lift to uh... get the team and the cars there and then weird things always happen and and uh... i was following uh... you guys uh... on twitter and lo and behold the sixty four car gets hit i think on the warm-up lap i mean just totally throws all of your planning into a cocked hat for that car
1: yeah, it was a little disappointing. Um, it, uh, we, I made the joke that I guess the uh, Ferrari driver behind us was just so enamored with how beautiful the rear of our car looks that he felt like he <laughs> had to do a little tap. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – and it really kind of plagued the car with some issues. And it, it, we were able to, to just deal with the damage for the first – what was it, about hour, two hours into the race until finally the um, the diffuser in the back – the the weakness of the hit took its toll and it, it started to let loose. And all of those arrow pieces on the car are perfectly designed for that vehicle. And whenever they get upset, you only have just a little bit that you can take difference before it really starts affecting the car and as the, as it was wearing it became an issue where it was causing a vibration that was going to get dangerous if we let it go too long so um and it's just kind of like one thing after another from there and it, it was disappointing um the the unfortunately the 64 seems to have been plagued by quite a few issues uh this year with some other problems at some of the other races we've done and I <laughs> I just—we need some type of like magic thing to get the bad luck off of that car.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, that's the car with Tommy Milner, Nick Tandy, and uh, Alex Sims. And yeah, if they didn't have bad luck, they'd have low luck, no luck at all. The the other car though, the '63 uh, car, that's Garcia, Taylor, and Can- uh, Kansberg, uh Katzberg, sorry. They were, uh, they, they, they took up the fight to that Ferrari that essentially took out the 64 car there right off the bat. Um they, they took the fight to that car and it was, it really became a two car race between Ferrari and Corvette, uh, for about the last six hours, didn't it?
1: Yeah, and I tell you, one of the most exciting parts was when Nikki got into the car in the evening, and apparently his nickname is uh, Night Rider, and man, he proved that nickname. He is so incredible in night racing, and he really showed the world what that car is capable of, and he really gave Ferrari a run for their money for a while there. It's almost like, can't we just finish the, the race in pitch black? Because we'd send Nicky out there to do the job for us. But Antonio and Jordan did fantastic too. Antonio, at the start, he was um, he he was uh, in the back of the GTE field, and he took advantage of all of the chaos with the rain that showed up just before the race started, and the pavement was still damp. And he he just missed an incident, so he's able to skirt around and pop himself up to can't remember if it was second or third right there in the first lap. So you know it's it's we're really uh, thrilled for all six pilots that we have in our cars they are incredible
0: (laughs) yeah they really are it's it's an amazing test of endurance of of driver of car and uh, as you say you know then you throw in uh weather and it's it's remarkable uh to see these cars go around there at those kind of speeds for that period of time. That's uh, yeah, a tremendous result. Uh, Ferrari is, is always the uh, appears to be always the nemesis of the uh, Detroit teams, whether it's Ford or whether it's uh, Corvette. So a uh, great battle with those guys. I, I, I want to get to the uh, other news that you guys had uh, this week out of Cadillac, because I, I, I don't know what your plans are looking out to Corvette. You can fill us in on that, but it appears as if Cadillac will be joining Corvette at Le Mans in 2023. Is that correct?
1: We are really excited about announcing that we are going to take the the Cadillac prototype to the next generation, which will be the LMDH platform. Um, and the cool thing about going from DPI to LMDH is LMDH is global, and it is welcome at both the WEC, the World Endurance Championship, and IMSA's, uh, weather tech Championship. So for the first time, that prototype class will be able to race in both locations so it can go to Le Mans and, and you know, be down at the Rolex 24 and all that. And, and that's really thrilling for us at Cadillac, uh, just having the opportunity to have that global presence and bring a Cadillac back to Le Mans. Last time we were there was in the early 2000s. And let's just say we have some unfinished business.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's uh yeah kind of a spotty history of Cadillac at Le Mans going back to the to the 50s and early 2000s as you say, but Cadillac has has really been the car to have here on on state side in IMSA. So uh, yeah, it's really exciting to see that car uh going international as well, just as the Corvette has been able to do uh in the in the uh, the GT class in in recent years. Um, I mean, uh, any, any sense on whether the Corvette will be able to continue going out to 23 or you, you guys haven't made those plans yet?
2: Yeah,
1: we're still in the middle of working through all of that. Um, the GT class has been a moving target, unfortunately. They,
2: yeah.
1: we got the, um, news that we were, they were going to be making some platform changes into the future, uh, you know, at the end of last year and. And uh, we've been preparing for that. But what has not been clear has been, um, you know, pro versus amateur racing in the GT area. Uh, IMSA has provided a class called GTD Pro, which you can have pro-pro drivers, which is great. But unfortunately, our competitors that we run against normally in the pro area, the factory, team, Porsche, Ferrari, They've decided that they really want to focus in on their new prototypes that are coming out. It, it makes sense. So they're not planning on doing any more factory racing in GT. They said, you know, if anyone wants to have a pro team with pro drivers, that's great. But they're not going to be bringing their machine to the track anymore. So we're trying to understand that information and, and decide what makes sense for Corvette and how we want to set it up and, and all of that. So it's it's been a challenge. It's been One of the reasons why I haven't been able to leave my alarm clock off for a while is just working through all that and all the different, um, uh, you know, understanding where we want to take that program. Uh, Corvette's a huge part of racing at General Motors, and it's a huge part of Corvette's DNA is being a part of racing. So as I've told everybody in the corrals and everything, I can guarantee you there will be a Corvette racing. Don't worry about that. It's just a matter of what platform and how we're going to go about doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is a moving target. Yeah, the GTD, uh, class, as we call it here in the, in the states, is very robust, but, uh, yeah, the GTLM class has really been, been suffering. But as you say, the, uh, the cool thing is Cadillac will be racing against, uh, Porsche and LMDH class, uh, kind of paint a picture for us of what's coming in 2023. I think it's shaping up to be some of the best prototype racing we've had in, in decades.
1: I would agree. I think at this point, what is it? They've got um, there should be five LMDH's announced, ourselves, BMW, Porsche, Audi, and Acura, um, are all coming from the LMDH perspective. And then there the other platform, Hypercar, LMH, that is Toyota, Ferrari, Peugeot, and Glickenhaus. And what has happened, which is pretty historic, is The uh, IMSA ACO together have made it so that those two platforms have enough settings that are similar that they can race each other competitively in the top class. So what you get to do is just take all of those announcements and add them together, and that creates that prototype class that will be racing for the overall win in both the IMSA championship and in WEC. And, you know, that's nine manufacturers right there. That's unheard of. So it's going to be one of the toughest things we've ever done on the sports car side, for sure. But I think it's going to be one of the most rewarding because it's going to be good, solid competition. I think it's going to be a great show for the fans. Um, And it's really going to test all of us and see, you know, what can we bring to the table and how can we tackle this event?
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, And uh, you guys teased – a sketch of the Cadillac prototype this week, w- wicked looking thing, and uh, yeah, I, I, a lot, a lot, a lot for people to look forward to uh, for the 2023 season, and a lot going on uh, in this season. You guys still got uh, Laguna Seca and uh, Petit Le Mans down at Road Atlanta, I believe, uh, here the rest of the year. So, good luck down there. Well, we we look forward to talking to you more in the future.
1: Sounds good, and um, thanks for having me.
0: Have a great weekend. That's uh, Laura Clouser. She's uh, GM's racing manager, uh, just back from Lamar. Lots of news coming out from GM. Uh, Really exciting to see those folks racing uh, uh, at uh, the Hammer and Tong over there at uh, GM, whether it's Corvette or Cadillac. Uh, We're going to take a break here, uh, hear from our sponsors. And on the other side of the break we'll be talking a little Mustang with Ted Ryan you're on Car Radio 910 AM
3: Visit Central Park Deli today and receive 10% off any purchase when ordering from our mobile app and enter promo code 910AM. Our new menu items include gluten-free wraps, spinach wraps, fried spicy buffalo cauliflower, and sweet potato maple cheesecake. Don't forget about our always delicious Saigensburg corned beef, our fresh hand patty charbroiled 100% premium beef burgers, and our homemade teriyaki stir fries. Central Park Deli has curbside service available and DoorDash delivery. Come visit us today.
4: Are you a business builder looking for support to solve issues related to business strategy, e-commerce, operations and processes, marketing, or finance? If so, check out the TechTown training series and access free on-demand video workshops led by subject matter experts. TechTown Detroit is a nonprofit business support organization, and we want to help solve your hot-button business issues at your convenience. Sign up for our free on-demand training series at techtowndetroit.org slash training series. Again, that's techtowndetroit.org slash training series. Get a basic understanding of business management, marketing, operations, financing, legal, and so much more at Detroit. The Tech Town Training Series is made possible with support from the Walters Family Foundation.
3: 910 a.m. Superstation has the greatest advertising deal ever with our Godfather package. 200 spots for $500 with a must-air within 30-day policy. That is only $2.50 per spot, and we will even produce the spots free. That's right, free. Call Ronisha Williams now at 313-434-8291. We're on
0: Car Radio with Henry Payne on the line with us. Cadillac Racing's program manager, Laura Clouser. How are things looking down there at Daytona Raceway?
1: We've got a little bit of everything. The NASCAR scene, an XF1 driver, of course, IndyCar, and then the Insta crew that I really take the machine and show everybody what it's
2: made of.
0: Talking to Jim Morrison, who is the Jeep brand chief. I'm happy to report that Grand
4: Cherokee has been so the market leader for 5 years we held the highest loyalty the best car radio
3: program in all of radio and you can only get it here on 910 am superstation 910 the superstation the oldest radio station in town since 1922
0: 10 a.m. at Superstation here on Car Radio with Henry Payne. And that uh, music uh, cued our next guest. Uh, We are joined by Ted Ryan, the head of Ford Archives over at Ford Motor Company. Ted, how are you? I'm doing great,
4: Henry. How are you doing today?
0: We're doing good. Great to have you back on the uh, program. A reminder to our listeners, give us a call here at 313 778 7600 if you want to join the conversation and and uh ted i know you're a, you're a big uh, mustang uh, fan and uh, and i was tooling around the dream cruise this year in the uh all new 2021 ford mustang Mach one and it was
4: it was it was really good but uh, you guys don't do Mach ones very much we don't. I, I missed you at the, at the media clubhouse. I was there most of the day on Saturday. Not sure when you were there. I should have, I should have looked for you. Uh, I got to drive a Mustang uh, Mach 1 all day on Mustang Day, April 17th. And, uh, oh my gosh, this is a fun car to drive. Uh, <laughs> the Mach 1, just to get the history out of the way real quick, is, is sort of always bridged the gap between, uh, the traditional Mustang and then the Shelby variants. And so the, the original Mach 1 came out in 68, uh, 69 model year. Um, and it was in between those, and and to me, it you know it had that sleek design. Just think, James Bond and Diamonds Are Forever, the shaker hood, and uh, it, it looked mean standing still, I like to say. And the, the new one, uh, once again, it is just it's a fun ride. It looks it looks vicious, and uh, uh, it's got a lot of power packed in there. Yeah, it really is the best of
0: both worlds, uh, which is the intention. It's, re- it's remarkable how engineers. Can uh, take this uh, core Mustang and uh, make its character change uh, to particular customers. I, I'm a big fan of the GT 350, GT 500. I think the GT 350 is is probably my favorite Mustang ever. Just an incredibly capable and viscerally uh, wonderful car, but it's uh, it can be a little can be a little loud, a little uh, aggressive as a daily driver, and the Mach 1 uh, really bridges uh, the, 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 the uh, Mustang GT and that GT350. I mean, you can drive it as a daily driver, but if you want to take it to a track uh, for a track day, go up to M1 Concourse, for example, it's quite capable. I mean, it's, it's, a,
4: remarkable, it's a remarkably uh, diverse car. It is. I mean, uh, some of the sats on a five liter V eight engine, uh, 480 uh, horsepower at 7,000 RPM. Uh, it it's track capable, but a, but a solid, uh, everyday driver. Uh, the only on, on dream cruise, were you just putting along at three miles an hour and all that traffic on Woodward or did you get to actually get out on the highway and, uh, and, uh, put it to its paces a little bit? <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: that's the problem. Yeah. You got to, you got to kind of pick your spots on Woodward. Otherwise you're just sitting there and in, in traffic, but it's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not a bad thing. I, I got it out into the Oakland County a, a little bit and I was able to have uh, some fun for it. And, and I, and I, while you were, while you were down um, South Woodward, I was up in North Woodward Saturday at M1 Concourse uh, broadcasting the show from up there. That's why we didn't see each other. But Surrounded by car guys who uh, have the opportunity to take their Mustangs out right there on a racetrack in the middle of the metro area. I mean, M1 Concourse is a great place for Mustang
4: lovers. It, it is, and uh, you know the the Mach One. We talked about how it's come and gone a couple of times. The original uh, version, one, the first generation, went away, uh, and but to be replaced. Uh, uh, and then brought back again in the, in the, uh, around 2000 ish. And, but this newest one, uh, it, it's the most track capable of all the mock ones, uh, that we produce. produced. And, uh, what I love about it is all the technology that we squeezed into it. And so you know, we're taking the best of what we're doing, uh, with our racing programs and, and the best science that we can, uh, can come up with and applying it to the different vehicles. Uh, so it it, uh, it packs a, a wallop uh, uh under the hood and and but at the same time uh the the days that i had it out it's fun <laughs> it can be loud but it's fun <laughs> well you're right on the technology the the
0: technology has really transformed this industry in the last 5 years i have a, a buddy of mine who's got a, a 69 uh, mustang gt and uh i i took the new 21 Mark uh, 1 over to do a photo shoot. They're both red cars. The '69 is is just a stunning looking car with that shark nose, and um, and but he then he he got in got in it to drive a little bit, and he was he was just stunned by the technology uh, that's in this new car. The uh, I mean, most obvious is the digital instrument display, uh, which which changes depending on what
4: drive mode you're in. Right, and, and did you have the automatic or the the 10-speed select shift? I, I, per, I had the select shift. I, I wanted the manual, but I got the select shift, and I was I was impressed, man. It, it it's, it's such an intelligent shifting system when you, when you're punching it, getting on the highway, or you know, it, it was it was fun to drive even in uh, in automatic mode. <laughs> yeah, it, it is really
0: good. The 10-speeds good and and you guys have gotten a lot of mileage out of it out of it, putting in a variety of cars but it, it, it's still a manual car for me i i wrote a review about it and said if 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 you buy it you got to get the manual as uh rowing rowing the box with that v8 is there's nothing like it
4: i uh, you know i wanted a manual but my wife doesn't drive a stick so i, I had a uh I had an automatic so you you make some you make some small uh, concessions when the when this house is involved <laughs> well, you're you're a
0: historian. One of the things that uh, fascinates me too about the Mach One badge is you guys um, uh, are pairing it this generation with a, with the a Mach E. You go back to the 1970s, and the manufacturers, I think, really struggled in the 1970s with uh, federal regulation. There was the, the, it was really the the first. Big um, uh, federal interference in the auto industry in terms of uh, uh, mile per gallon regulation, and you go you go back to that history and you look at the Mustang, for example, and the Mustang uh, really struggled with those regulations. Uh, Ford tried putting a, a, a small engine in there; uh, it, it, it it just never seemed to work, and you kind of see evidence of that at the Dream Cruise. You you, you see. 1969 through 74 Mach ones. You don't see uh, any 74 to 78 Mach ones. Fast forward to today, and Ford seems to me has has put in place a much more realistic strategy. So you still got an M1 uh, a Mach one powered by a V8, but they're experimenting with the uh, alternative. Um, uh, uh, fuel electric car with a Mach E. They're, they're separate packages, and as a result, I think they're both very effective.
4: I agree, and you, you have to have vehicles that will appeal to all segments of the population. And I also agree with your statement too, Henry. In the, in the that seventy four to seventy eight time period, not only Ford but all the automakers were struggling trying to to figure out the the EPA and, and the, uh, the, the safety concerns and all the uh, the changes that were being made to the vehicles itself. But it fast forward to today and you're, we're able to hit those marks and to have a Mach-E that will appeal to the uh, to the to those who are looking for a fantastic battery electric vehicle. I've checked one of those out too. I don't know if you've checked one out and driven one. The Mach-E is oh, yeah. fun to drive too. Um, but you can also have that Mach 1. That has the power, has the V8 engine built into it, appeals to the to the motorheads who want the smell of the gas and and the feel of the power. Uh, you know, I, I'd be real curious to put a Mach 1 up against a Mach E on a zero to sixty too, uh, because you put you get the performance package in the Mach E, and nothing will fly. Uh, but you can have both, and you can have the best of both worlds. And and I think Ford is doing a great job of, of uh, having the different vehicles that will appeal to all the different uh, types of drivers out there.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's what's, uh, what's neat about it. Yeah, there's, they're, they're very different products. Um, they both have their strengths and, and, uh, uh, and, and gives the customer a clear choice. I suspect you're right. I, I bet off, the, off a, a Woodward stoplight, I, I bet that Mach-E
4: uh, GT will, will nip the Mach 1. Uh, <laughs> that thing's quick. It is quick. And you know, I always uh, tell people when you turn on a light switch, you don't get a delay. The lights come on, you know, with these BEB, uh, battery electric vehicles, you hit the, uh, the pedal, I was going to say gas pedal, but <laughs> you hit the pedal and, and that thing goes. And particularly when you get the performance packages like the, the Mach one or the Mach E with the GT package, you know, it's, a, it's a fast car, uh, and a fun car uh, the, the one on the Mach one, uh, the one thing and, and I was talking to one of the designers too I said I got not have the shaker hood I mean that was sort of the symbol of the of the Mach one to be and he said we don't need it he said with the different way that we air cool and the different way that we uh you know are you know applying the science to the car it doesn't need that shaker hood so if you put it there it's it's just a uh look back at the future and he said we focus on the front grill to make it look shark like and to, to make it just look ferocious and, and I went from a skeptic to a believer. Uh when I saw it for the first time I'm like, okay, it does need the shaker hood. It, it it looks it looks fast standing still and that's what a mock one should be.
0: Yeah. Although you know the purists uh you know the purists want that uh, shaker. Uh but uh, the yeah, they uh do yeah but uh, the engineering is uh, yeah that's it's remarkable what the engineers uh can do these days so um the 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 Mach one clearly is is, is something that ford holds back for special occasions um how how have the, the the we got four generations of Mach one this is the fourth um how how have they held up historically. uh, uh, Looking at the numbers, are are these some of the
4: more valuable Mustangs out there for collectors? They are. Nothing is ever going to compete entirely with the Shelby name. You know, the Shelby variants, the 350, the 500, which are always, uh, you know, (laughs) you said at the beginning that Shelby GT350 is is probably one of the most popular Mustangs ever created. When we did our, our uh, 64 uh, best boards of all time back during March Madness, uh, the Shelby GT351. But the Mach 1 holds up well because it has that that name and it has that, that, you know, the image and muscle uh, behind it. So it's always been a a very popular one. And as far as the nameplates coming and going, they do. I mean, the Bullet 1 was was a limited edition heritage one. Uh, This Mach 1, I haven't been told it's ever going away, or, uh, you know, if it will. Uh, but I suspect it will because we'll come up with another uh, various, uh, variation on the Heritage nameplate. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to – the Mustang nameplate is continuously there, uh, but the variations on them and the, the different Heritage editions of them uh, will be changing over time. Did you see the, the Heritage uh, GT while you were there
0: at all? I, I did. I uh, you know, and that's I think that's a car that came out in 2016, I want to say. And to my eye, it's still the most stunning car made today.
4: I mean, I just didn't like it. Yeah. The new one is based on chassis 101 from 1964, sort of the, the father of all the GTs. And uh, it's beautiful with its white colors and the, the black. It just looks so simple and so, uh, so beautiful. And knowing the heritage of the, of the original one, uh, I think that the team did a great job of capturing it with uh, with the current one. Uh, we had that in the the Heritage, uh, the Daytona number no. 98 car, 10 miles up, 66 on display at a Dream Cruise, and it was just sitting side by side. Yeah, there was a lot of eye candy
0: down there in uh, Royal Oak as well as Ferndale during the cruise. And and I and I always want to remind listeners of this. Uh, um, one one of the really neat things you guys have done uh, down at the Henry Ford, at the new um, uh, racing display. Uh, there is. You've dedicated a room to the Ford GT's Le Mans win back in 2016, I believe. And you can watch. You can sit there and watch the telemetry for an entire lap with that car. I, I think that's wh- one of the one of my favorite um,
4: uh, race exhibits uh, anywhere in the country. It is. It's a fantastic exhibit, and as you say, watching. The you know the what the engineers are seeing in the trailer, and I've been fortunate enough to be in the uh, the GT trailer uh, during Le Petit Le Mans down at Red Atlanta a couple of years ago, and it's just fascinating how much information is coming in and how they process it. And uh, uh, you get to see the clay of the prototype, which uh, uh, of the sixteen uh, winning car. It's a it's a well done exhibit. I give the Henry Ford team. Uh, working with RGT uh a ton of credit because it's a fantastic racing exhibit.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, it's there seven days a week. I think. I mean, whenever I'm in the neighborhood, I just kind of drop in and I go I go to that room. It's just really special to have uh, not only the the car there in uh, a static display, but also uh, there's a the full size clay model there. And then, as I say, this this wall full. Of uh, digital telemetry, taking you through uh, the lap um, that, that the Ford GT fa- passed Ferrari for the lead at Le Mans. It's it's really a wonderful exhibit.
4: Uh, well done. And I also had the '67 uh, winning car, the Mark IV, piloted by uh, Dan Gurney and A.J. And Floyd. It's uh, I, it's it's a fantastic exhibit. If anybody likes racing, if anybody uh, enjoys. I, I I was there a couple of weeks ago with uh with the Wood Brothers. Uh they were were in town for something else and we were at the exhibit together and we'll t- listening to them talk about uh, some of the cars they worked on. I was getting an education and, and how to set up a car and how to race a car. Just fascinating. That was that was a special night. Yeah, that that yeah, that must have been fun. So
0: uh uh Ted, last question for you. The uh, here we are in 2021. I think uh, the Ford Mustang lineup is the most robust it's been uh, since the 1960s. Um, uh, we've gone through GT350 uh, and Bullet uh, Mach 1 and GT500 are on sale now. You've got the high-performance uh, Turbo 4, which may be... Um, May, which may be the the the, uh, the value car of the bunch. I mean, that's that's an incredible handling car. You're a Mustang fan. Which 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 one are
4: you driving home tonight? Oh boy, I think I would probably take the the Mach 1, even over the GT uh, 350. I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I had it for a weekend or in April, and it was a fun car to drive. My wife liked to drive it. Uh, if I could pick anyone in time, though, I'm going back and I'm getting the uh, Shelby GT 350. Uh, it's just just a beauty. You know, the, uh, the Mustang is the, the top-selling sports coupe, uh, again, for however many years in a row. And I always, we work a lot with the Mustang team. And I think the Mustang is so strong a platform because the people who run the Mustang program love Mustangs. They live, breathe, eat, sleep, dream Mustang 24-7. Uh, you know, Jim Owens, if you get him, you say the word Mustang, and then you got to stop him talking an hour later because he just, they, they love that program. Uh, so it, it's a fun team to work with. And the passion that they have for that Mustang brand, how can we make it, how can we polish that Mustang nameplate just a little bit more when we come up with what's next in Mustang? Uh, it, they're, they're fun to work with, and uh, without a doubt, I. I I was going to say it's my favorite vehicle, but the GT program is right up there with them. But in between Mustang and GT, you'd have to, to twist my arm to get me to say one was better than the other.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I know you look good in the Mach 1. Yeah, it's it's great to see that passion there. It's a company uh, that started over a century ago with Henry Ford attracting uh, investors by racing out in gross Point. So, yeah, it's neat to see that. Uh, DNA still alive and well in the company. Uh, Ted Ryan, thanks for joining us as always. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. Yeah, have a great weekend. That's Ted Ryan, uh, uh, head of uh, Ford Archives, uh, doing a lot of neat work uh, for that company. Came came up uh, from Atlanta and Coca-Cola for Ford and has really done some nice work uh, for the company and, of course, uh, go down there to Henry Ford and see all that history. It's a really special place here in the Detroit area alright uh, we want to uh, shift gears here and talk to our good friend Lauren Fix who is on the line the uh, uh, car coach uh, well known to folks across the country uh, on her car coach channel as well as on uh, Fox News and uh, Lauren uh, in addition to uh, uh, talking about uh, cars uh, walks the walk she is a uh, an avid collector herself uh, Laura, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, you're just talking about my favorite subject, Shelby. Hence, we <laughs> named our daughter Shelby, and we collect them. So, yeah, <laughs> your historian would have a great time at our place.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was talking. Uh, we had Ted Ryan on the line there, and we were we were talking about uh, all the great Mustangs that are in the stable these days. Uh, my favorite's uh, GT 350, what, what, uh, the Shelby GT 350. What, what's your favorite?
2: Uh, personally, I'm a big fan of what they call the carryover cars. So in 1965, when production ended, Carroll Shelby needed vehicles because there was a demand, but 66 Shelbys were coming out. So they shipped him what they had left, which was 252 hypo GTs. They're K code cars for those of you that are in the, in the know. Uh, and those cars are the rarest of the rarest. 252. They call them carryover cars. They are labeled as 66s, but they are 65s, and they have a mixture of both parts. So that is my favorite. We have three of them, but um, they're they're my favorite. Actually, we're going to look at another one tomorrow. So maybe I'll have four. You can tell.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a uh, great collection. Yeah, and uh, um, you know, it's a, I was in the Mach 1 uh, this week. It's great to see them uh, carrying on that badge. Um, yep. uh And 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 I think um, you know, in, instead of trying to do everything. In a Mach 1 fuel efficiency uh, performance, the way they tried to do back in 74-78, they've split off uh, the Mach E as an electric uh, sub-brand uh, within Mustang, which which makes a lot more uh, sense to me.
2: Well, you know my opinion on that. Those of us that are true Mustang fans, you can call it a Mach E, totally fine. It can look like a Mustang, it can have the Mustang logos, but don't call it a Mustang. Uh, the Western Club of America and most of its members are not happy about it. You know, I hope they sell millions and millions of them, but just they, they really need to just call it a Mach-E and not try to impose. Their, their example was calling it something like Porsche. Oh, well, they got the Cayenne, but they call it a Cayenne. They call it a Macan, and it is such. And, you know, when you try to use another brand, they're, not, they're very specific about a lot of these brands. You cannot call it, like I have a diesel Cayenne, which is an older one. And if I put a turbo in front of it, they get really upset. Oh, no, that's for special cars. And the same thing should be true when it comes to Mustang. The brand name has so much value since 1964. It's such a shame to call it something. It's not an electric SUV. So I hope they have the best of luck. I like the Mach-E. I've reviewed it. I've reviewed the Mach 1 as well. But that's my opinion as a true enthusiast.
0: Well and and, uh, and to your point, I mean if, if, if a brand is gonna do that, uh, whether it's uh uh whether it's Mustang or whether it's Porsche, if you're gonna go in that direction, uh, with an SUV, you 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 really need to keep your core car good. I mean you need to you need to keep your North Star. I think Mustang has done that uh with the Mach One, with the G T three fifty, with the G T five hundred and the Porsche guys uh, have, have been very uh, clear that they are con- going to continue to make the 911 as a gas-powered car. That is the North Star for that brand. And uh, you're mm-hmm. obviously impressed. You're, you, uh, you just bought a new GT3 G- uh, uh, RS.
2: Yeah, so mine is uh, 2019. Yes, I just bought a, a, a performance version, a GT3 RS. It's called a VISOC. So it's all carbon fiber, super light, 0 to 60 in 3 seconds. I prefer melting dinosaurs. So <laughs> that's my thing. Yeah,
0: and it's uh, the the, uh, the GT3 is an incredible, incredibly incredibly uh, capable car. Uh, tell us how the RS uh, uh, differs from the uh, from the standard GT3.
2: Well, it's obviously it's an automatic, so it's paddle shift. They call it a PDK, so it's just faster than you can. I, and I own a GT500, a new one, and I get it. I'm a three-pedal person all day long, and I do have older cars that are three-pedals, but the new transmissions shift so fast. No matter how proficient you are, no matter how good of a racer, Henry, you race, I race, we've both been racing for our whole lives, we both know that no matter how good you are, these new transmissions shift so fast. And uh, depending upon you know, what you're buying, a performance car, uh, like, like the Porsche or the Shelby, they... They are right in the sweet spot. They know when to shift, and they don't shift too much or too little. And so, this also not just protects the engine, but it also gives you a more performance-oriented vehicle.
0: Yeah, really. Yeah, the, the the dual clutch transmissions really are remarkable, and they're so smart. I mean, they, yeah, they don't uh, they don't lag off corners. Uh, yeah, they're they're really remarkable. Uh, things there is a um, uh, 911 GT3 that is uh, track only. Uh, that's not the uh, RS, right? That's another.
2: No, bad, that's a club sport. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a club sport. Now, you can buy a you can buy a GT2 RS, but and you're looking at 850 horsepower. I have been in my race car, uh, but geez, for the street, you know, I, unless you want to get yourself in trouble. And I would say that. And I know you're going to agree with this. Most people will never use a fraction of its performance. So it's more to have a vehicle like that. It's like to pull up at the club or with your buddies and you're going bench racing, which is basically sitting around telling fish stories. You know, who's got the bigger motor? Um, But honestly, the GT2 RS is a monster. And if you don't know what you're doing, don't buy it. If you don't have any race experience or seat time or you're not a member of the Porsche Club, just like you would with the Shelby Club, just like you would with a new Corvette, when you buy a performance vehicle, you should always, highly suggest it, find a school, an open track day, get someone to work with you so you can get the most out of that car, but also be safer. It'll also help you be a better driver all year round, whether you're driving in snow or when it's dry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I know I, I tell everybody who buys a performance car, you got to take it to the track. You got to know what the envelope is uh, for that car because they're so capable these days. I, I want to ask you about, uh, you, you did a wonderful segment with uh, Fox News in the last month. Uh, it was uh, in, in New York, and I think you guys managed to pull together six of the uh, hottest cars in the market right in downtown New York. That
2: was a chill. That was a challenge. Yeah, How you guys managed that? Well, you know, typically, when you, and I know you understand this, in, you need a car for a segment, whether it's an article or whatever you call the fleet and the fleet, the media fleet, so they have a certain select vehicle and they'll get them to you. Well, none of these were available. So for Porsche, I had the new 911 convertible to Cabriolet. I had to call and have the vehicle brought up from Atlanta. Then I, you know, I called everyone I could get my hands on. It was really difficult. The F-150 came out of Detroit. Um, And then I got the Honda came off their fleet. That was lucky. But the two for for Hyundai had the the Genesis uh, GV80, which I'm a huge fan of, the Genesis lineup, and the Hyundai Tucson, which is all new. Those had to come from California. So it's really interesting how we have to put these segments together. Um, But no one wants to miss the opportunity. There's a million eyes on their product. So we were able to get the six vehicles there. And it was really, it was really a, a fun segment. And we were going to do more for the auto show, but the auto show got canceled. And then we were going to do one anyhow, but then Afghanistan happened. And so that was sort of the end of all that. But, um, but we'll be back on with some more cars. And we always try to talk about vehicles that people want and then also ones that are going away. Because there's deals to be had and don't pay anything more than retail. I know the dealers charge extra. Don't find another dealer. There's always somebody who wants your business.
0: Well, it was, a, it was a great segment, and, I, and uh, me, I encourage folks to go find it online. It was it was very tight, very efficient. Uh, you went through there with the Fox and Friends hosts, and I, I assume you were right there in Midtown outside of their studio. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, I was. Um, I have an apartment in the city, so I was able to utilize it. We've been there in like a year, but it was nice to go there in person and be there with you know Pete Hengsass and and everyone. You know, we all kind of know each other, especially if they like cars. So it kind of makes the conversation a little bit more fun. And, uh, yeah, it was great. It's, it's really fun to see that they actually like vehicles and and their car enthusiasts, even though most people in New York City, I would say maybe 60% have vehicles and 40% don't own anything. They use mass transit. So it's kind of it's an interesting mix. But, you know, there's people all over the country, all over the world. And if you want to see this segment, it's on my YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's good fun. But so so from the six six of the hottest cars in the market to six cars going away. You just did a uh, segment on cars that we're not going to see again in the future. Talk, talk about those a little bit.
2: It's really sad to watch these vehicles go away. I mean, uh, especially things that you thought would do well, like the Chevy Volt, not the Bolt, but the Volt. So this was a gas-powered back up to a battery engine. I thought it was a great balance for people. Because yep. they're like, oh, you know, I want the electric, but what, what if I have to go on a road trip? This gives you that balance. So I, I think that that was, you know, um, I, it, was, it was sad to see it go. I mean, I understand that they're trying to go all, all battery. Of course, they're having some issues right now, but they'll, they'll find a resolution. This is General Motors. They're not going to sit there and go, okay, we're moving on. They're going to find a solution to all those people that bought uh, the Bolt EV with the battery issues. Um, We're seeing a lot of cars going away, and we're seeing more direction toward SUVs, but then we're seeing some SUVs going away, like we hear that the edge isn't going to be made anymore because the Bronco's going to take that spot. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure you've had that conversation before. It's kind of sad because, you know, it's one of those things we all kind of like. You know, we don't want to see it go away. Um, But as far as other vehicles, um, I think it's hard for manufacturers to have something on their lot that doesn't sell. And they're going to keep moving around inventory as um, as best they can, you know, considering you know what what people want.
0: Yeah, and as a, yeah, like you say, the uh, yeah, the sedans are going away. Uh, we 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 got news uh, on a couple more. I think just in the last uh, week, the Mazda 6 is going away. Wow. One of my favorite sedans of all time, the the uh, big Toyota Avalon, going away. Uh, I'm really sad to see the Mazda 6 go. I mean, to me, that, that car is uh, is a total package. It's not only, um, you know, has nice interior room, but it's also fun to drive.
2: Right, and they're not going to make the Veloster anymore, either. And that's kind of a little pocket racket. That's kind of a fun thing. The Kia Cadenza is going away. I mean, it was a strange name to begin with. I, I thought it was a cool car, but... You know, again, it's a car, and then dealing with the K900, which I didn't like the name, but after they put all that effort into making a luxury car that was equivalent to Genesis, they're pulling it. You know, it's weird. Um, the Mazda 6, like you said, the Mazda 3 is going away. Mercedes AMG GTR, you know, they're going to replace that with something pretty pretty evil because Mercedes is all about performance and luxury. Um, and then, you know, there's other vehicles that we think that shouldn't go away, like you know, the Rolls-Royce Dawn and the Wraith, that's going away, which is kind of weird. But I guess they are going more to SUVs, and that's really what the bigger brands and the Volvo V90. Not the 60, just the 90, which is the big wagon, which I like. I'm a wagon person. I don't know. And then we hear Kia Singer for 2023. There's deals on the lots, friends. to Avalon, Volkswagen, Passat. If you're thinking you want something reasonably priced, try to get one now because the, the warranty is still there. The product's good, just that people aren't buying them, which means you should be able to get a deal.
0: Yeah. Well, and there'll be good deals in the used car market, which uh, people need uh, need yes. these days. I mean, even the used car market prices are, are, are right. going uh, sky high. We're well,
2: well, going to wait uh, for a while either. Yeah, I think we're yeah. going to be a uh, chip shortage for a few more months, maybe into the, the worst-case scenario, into the middle of next year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, – yeah, these are these are interesting times. Lauren,
2: uh, thanks for
0: uh, joining us as always. Uh, I know you've uh, you got, you got your uh, Jaguar, you got a Jaguar race car coming back uh, in your fleet as well. So I, I, I wish you luck yeah. at uh, Watkins Glen. I think his first race in the Jag.
2: Yes, I, I, actually we haven't even tested the motor yet. We got the motor going on the dyno on Monday, and as long as all is good, the car will be there. So if you're going to Watkins Glen for the vintage races. You will see me running in the Jaguar and the finished Trans Am series, and my husband will be running in the current Trans Am series in a Corvette.
0: Yeah, that's great stuff. Lauren, have a great weekend.
2: Thank you. You too, and and your listeners as well.
0: All right, uh, that'll wrap up the first hour uh, for us. A reminder to go to thecarcoach.com. That's where you can find Lauren Fix. A uh, lot of great information uh, there, not only on, on how to uh, take care of your car, but also the latest models. Uh, we're going to take a break here, hear from our sponsors at the top of the hour. On the other side of the hour, we got more car radio for you. You're on 910 AM, the Superstation.
3: Visit Central Park Deli today and receive 10% off any purchase when ordering from our mobile app and enter promo code 910AM. Our new menu items include gluten-free wraps, spinach wraps, fried spicy buffalo cauliflower, and sweet potato maple cheesecake. Don't forget about our always delicious Cy corned beef, our fresh hand patty charbroiled 100% premium beef burgers, and our homemade teriyaki stir fries. Central Park Deli has curbside service available and DoorDash delivery. Come visit us today. The following message has been brought to you by the doctors of Horsley Foot and Ankle.
1: Thick, dark fungus nails?
3: We treat that.
1: Those hideous bunions and hammer tones?
3: We treat that.
1: What about those thick horns and calluses?
3: We treat that, too.
1: I suffer from foot pain and heel pain. We treat that. Even falls, breaks, and sprains?
3: We most definitely treat that.
1: Let the board-certified podiatrist of Horsley Foot and Ankle Surgeons treat all your foot and ankle needs. Call us today at 248-559-5200. That's 248-559-5200. Porsley foot and Ankle is Metro Detroit's premier foot and ankle specialist. Make your appointment today. Call 248-559-5200. Diabetic feet? We treat that. Painful legs and cramps? We treat that. Numbness and tingling?
3: We treat that too.
1: Horsy Foot and Ankle treats it all. Make your appointment today. Call 248-559-5200.
2: Are you looking for a great deal on TV advertising? Are you searching for an avenue to get your business name out to the public? With WADL TV 38, we're offering a great special with 50 commercial ads for a great price. This offer is for a 30-day ad placement and can be renewed as often as you choose. Please contact Ronisha Williams for more information at 313-434-8291. That's 313-434-8291 or email at R-O-N-E-S-H-A at WADLDetroit.com.
3: Do you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS? If so, you may qualify for the IRS's Fresh Start Program. The Fresh Start Program is one of the biggest tax breaks the IRS has offered. Call Tax Group Center at 800-685-6150 to see if you qualify for the IRS's Fresh Start Program. Their team of tax experts and attorneys will get you the best tax settlement possible. Call 800-685-6150 now to learn if you qualify for the IRS's Fresh Start Program. Call Tax Group Center at 800-685-6150. 800-685-6150. Are you drowning in debt? Struggling just to make minimum payments? It's not your fault. Serious debt can happen to anyone, but there is hope. Our debt-free program has helped thousands of good people, just like you, eliminate their credit card debt. Call us today
4: and we will dramatically reduce your credit card debt down to just a fraction of what you owe. The call is free. The consultation...